I suggest that folks remind themselves why they play golf. So if that's to have fun, to be fit, connect with other people, get in shape, just bringing yourself back into why you play golf and why you're out there to get back into your own head and your own mindset. Welcome to Ladies of Golf with me, Abby Liebenthal of For the Ladies podcast. Carly Hunt is a psychologist, researcher, and educator who is also owner of Present Mind Consulting. She specializes in helping people reduce stress and anxiety, improve athletic performance, adjust to new life circumstances, cope with chronic health conditions, and improve overall well-being. She was a collegiate golfer and today works with golfers of all skill levels to help them improve their performance and fully enjoy the game. As a former NCAA Division I golfer who continues to compete locally and nationally, she brings golf-specific knowledge along with general expertise in counseling and sports psychology. And today, I'm excited for our first of a two-part golf psychology episode. Before we get into golf psychology for beginner golfers, though, I would love to just talk about Present Mind Consulting and introduce you all to Carly Hunt. So Carly, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Abby. It's really uh, such a pleasure to be here with you. I'm so excited about what you're doing with For the Ladies um, and creating spaces for women's golf. Um, Certainly something I'm so passionate about. Um, Yeah, and Present Mind Consulting is my private practice in sports psychology and just general counseling as you introduced so well. So yes, I do work with golfers and I work with people across the country in most U.S. states actually via telehealth and via phone. Um, and I'm also based in Maryland, so I see people locally here as well. But um, yeah, I love working with athletes to really help them just um, achieve their best performance as well as um, address any concerns in life that may be impeding their well-being. And sometimes those two things can go together, you know, happiness and performance. So um, yeah, just excited to be here to talk more. Nice. Well, I want to make sure I introduce you a little bit to everybody before we dive in. Um, when did you first encounter sports psychology? Did you have a sports psychologist when playing in college? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I... So I guess I first came across it in high school, actually. And I think I I kind of I think I can credit my mom, actually, for being the one who introduced me to sports psychology, which is so funny to say now. But I think that when I was playing junior golf, she came across a book by that I actually still use and recommend to people called In Pursuit of Excellence by Terry Orlick, who was an Olympic gymnast. And this was some one of the sort of the classic sports psychology books that's been around, I think, since maybe the 80s. Um, But yeah, just kind of introduced me to some general concepts about self-confidence and managing anxiety in competitive settings and things like that. And I thought it was so exciting and kind of earth shattering, honestly. So I think that was kind of my first exposure to this field. And then um, I was always interested in psychology kind of in general. So that's kind of what I ended up studying in college and then obviously in graduate school. And I thought these concepts were so helpful to me all along the way through college golf and competitive golf. Um, And so, yeah, so I'm really thrilled to be a sports psychologist now to be able to bring these um, ideas and practices to to more folks. Nice. What were your ambitions for golf? Did you want to play professionally at all? Yes, I did. So I was really very, very golf focused, I would say as a junior and then at the beginning of my college career. And I think I 
pretty quickly realized I was really passionate about academics as well. And so I, I sort of, yeah, I toyed with the idea at the end of college, I suppose, about trying it. And then I sort of thought to myself, I was pretty excited about the sports psychology path and kind of wanted to just get started on that. But I was always, yeah, always just love the game of golf. And I'm really, I feel really privileged to still be playing and competing a bit today. Um, now that I'm in my thirties. So yeah, let's dip our toes a little bit into this just in general. Why do you think that athletes, um, especially athletes, I think in particular who are playing as amateurs rather than professionally for a career, how can, why can they benefit from sports psychology? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I really think anybody can benefit from sports psychology, definitely at any skill level. And I think there are, of course, different challenges that people face um, depending on the level of competition that they're putting themselves in. But I do think even beginner players face challenges like dealing with issues around self-confidence, being able to stay present, not jumping ahead to results having really solid pre-shot routines and being able to use those routines effectively. And we can talk more about that. Um, Practicing with a purpose, you know, even a beginner player, it's not going to benefit you to go out and just mindlessly, you know, hit golf balls. Like you want to have a a practice plan. Um, And then also, you know, getting out of your own head. And so, I mean, I think beginner players um, and, you know, I use the word beginner to mean, I guess, kind of amateur, you know, players, like you said, um, you know, still, still need to to learn tech you know golf technique and mechanics but then when it comes to playing on the golf course there's still the issue of being able to be present and trust themselves while they're out there through golf through sports psychology techniques versus getting caught up in all the mechanics you know yeah awesome yeah so those are a few thoughts um yeah yeah i feel like that that outlines our conversation really well um so would love to just dive into one of the first topics that you provided was you know something that we hear so often, especially for the ladies, is that beginner golfers are intimidated. They're self-conscious about going from the range or like top golf or an indoor golf facility Mm -hmm. to an actual golf course and playing nine holes, 18 holes, whatever it may be. How would you suggest Mm -hmm. they approach that from a mindset perspective? Yeah. Um, So I I have a few, I have a few thoughts. So I would first say that people should, I mean, I guess this is obvious, but, you know, sports psychology, there's been a ton of research to show that self-consciousness really impedes performance. And the reason for that is because when we're worried about what everyone else is thinking of us or, you know, self like doubting our ability to translate the range to the course, et cetera, it distracts you from what you need to do, which is to focus on the task at hand. So to stay present. So so I think firstly, to kind of get out of that mindset, I would first just suggest to, to folks to just notice those feelings and know that they're normal and just label them. Be like, oh, I'm feeling self-conscious right now. And and know that this is a common experience for women. Like you just put that out there. So just knowing you're not alone in these feelings, I think is super helpful. Um, and then I suggest that folks remind themselves why they play golf. Mm. So if that's to have fun, to be fit, connect with other people, get in shape, just bringing yourself back into why you play golf and why you're out there to get back into your own head and your own mindset. Um, and then I think something else to remember is this, uh, cognitive bias called the spotlight effect. And that just refers to like outside of golf too. We all have this cognitive 
misperception that other people are looking at us and thinking about us like way more than they actually are. So <laughs> if you feel intimidated going into like a male dominated space, for example, in golf or whatever, um, most likely people are worried about themselves and their own golf game and not really noticing you like nearly as much as you think. So I think that can be also helpful. Um, and then something that it's so basic, but I just would say, encourage yourself, you know, when you feel like you're self-conscious or doubting yourself, what, you know, what would a best friend say to you in this moment? You know, they would probably give you some kind words of support, which you can offer that to yourself in these moments as well. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention is just kind of around what you're doing with for the ladies is to really frequent women friendly golf venues and connect with other women who play around your skill level. So if you feel like you belong to a group, it's going to be so curative for those feelings of self-consciousness, I think, to have that support and belonging. So going to golf venues that seem women-friendly, do they have a woman a woman um, professional on staff? Are there female-only events being advertised? You know, is the atmosphere inviting and friendly, et cetera? Um, yeah, and above all, just know that you belong in the game of golf and add value to it, as much as it may seem that you you know, maybe struggle around being a, being a woman in, in golf spaces, just, yeah, I, I really feel passionate that women can feel like they belong out there just, just as much as anyone else. Yeah. But I think it's nice that you say like, it's okay to acknowledge that you were feeling intimidated and like, here are the things that you can do to just like get past it. Like acknowledge the feelings there. Yeah. Like what can we do yeah. to move on? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I will say, I think even despite like not necessarily being a brand new golfer, um, you're still going to have a sense of intimidation. Maybe you're playing with somebody who has a lower handicap than you, or maybe they play a lot. They play competitively. Like I certainly run into that a lot. I am not a competitive mm -hmm. golfer. I don't play in tournaments really, but I enjoy playing with women of all skill levels. And a lot of the time I will play with women who are a lot better than me. And I mm -hmm. even see myself saying like, Oh, well, I just like, need to keep up with them or um, I'm going to like, I know I'm like kind of, I'm going to try to not like make a fool of myself today. Um, so even aside from being a beginner golfer, just being a golfer who goes out and plays with people of all different skill levels, um, what do you think are some uh, like tools that like, are they the same tools that you can use um, that you just shared or, or how do you see any difference in that? Yeah, I think, I think, Let's let's go back to those examples that you shared. Like the first one, I think was like if I play with someone better than me, yeah. I'm worried. Like, can I keep up with them? And also, I'm going to try to not make a fool of myself today. So, so in the first one, that mindset is focused on that other person you're playing with, right? So, like, oh, I want to keep up with what they're doing. So, I would definitely encourage in those moments to remind yourself to focus on you and what you have to do. So if you're focused on what they're doing, it's taking you out of your moment by moment process mm -hmm. of playing golf, right? And you can do that over and over again. It's almost kind of like a mindfulness exercise. If you've like done any yeah. meditating, you know, like your mind wanders off onto other stuff and you kind of bring it back to like an anchor for your attention, which is the present. So in the case of golf, that's like what you're doing. So I'm just going to bring myself back to executing each step in my routine. And I'm going to focus on like, what are my goals today? what am I doing and what do I have to do? Right. And then, and then I would say like, I want to try to not make a fool of myself thing. I, I would again, bring up that, you know, that's a self-consciousness. Yeah. So, so again, like bringing the mind back to how most all people, I mean, 
I know for me, when I play with someone who's a higher handicap than me, I am like kind of oblivious as to what they're doing because I'm really focused on what I'm doing, you know? And so like, I think kind of remembering that and practicing that and, and again, just encouraging yourself, you know, like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to screw up versus, well, let me think about what are my goals for the day and let me encourage myself as much as I can all around today and be proud of myself for going out and playing, playing with, you know, highly skilled players. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But there's no magic book. There's no magic pill. It does take practice, you know, I think for sure to kind of come back over and over again to these, to these thoughts as you're, as you're kind of working, working with those feelings out there. Um, And I do think if all else fails, kind of a concept in sports psychology in general is if you're having what's called intrusive thoughts or intrusive feelings, like these are feelings like self-consciousness or like a really negative thought, like you just can't get the pond out of your mind. Um, There are strategies that, and I've just named a few of them for this particular issue. There are strategies in sports psychology that sort of help you like replace negative thoughts with other thoughts. But then if it's so intrusive, you can sort of start to go to war with it. So I wouldn't say like, well, I need to get rid of these feelings of being intimidated in order to play well but rather kind of use that mindful approach. Say like, oh, like here are these feelings of being intimidated, of not wanting to make a fool of myself. I I notice those thoughts are coming up and I can still play well even when I'm having those thoughts and I'm just going to come back to the present, you know? So just kind of allowing them to be there as opposed to sort of going to war with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Well, before we even get to the golf course, there is also this element of practice. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that if I'm going to practice right before a round, I just like go to the rage and I hit golf balls and I roll a few putts and I'm like, well, guess we're going out there. Um, but <laughs> I am sure that there's a better way. And I, you know, I've even like seen like there are like there's golf blueprint and they're a company that like creates practice for you. There's a lot of interesting. Yeah. There's like a, a few companies out there that will like, you kind of share, what you struggle with or they evaluate you and then they kind of like provide you a practice routine. But I think there's still a difference between like going to practice before a round where like you may only have a few moments versus like, Mm -hmm. and we can talk about it after going out and just like practicing, going to a range in a short game area. So I'd love to start with, I think most people are probably relate to the, I need to practice a few minutes before I go and play, but I'd, don't really know what to do or even like how to set a mindset to practice before I go play. Right. Yeah. That's a terrific question. So yes. So I would definitely encourage people for the, for going out and warming up before, like right before a round. The point of that really is to get loose and to get into a good frame of mind. Like you're not going to be like unpacking your entire golf swing in those moments. And you kind of want to get right. You want to kind of get, yeah, you want to, you want to putt for sure. You want to get the speed of the greens as best you can. Cause we all know how important that is. So definitely go to the putting green, roll some putts, get a feel for the speed. If you're going to hit some balls, it's really focused on getting warm, getting loose. If you hit bad shots as you're warming up, say to yourself, this is just the range. When I go out on the course, it's going to be totally different. You know, if you hit good shots on the range, say to yourself, this is exactly how I'm going to play out there today. Mm. You know, use what's happening to your, it's all about appraisal. So that's a kind of a holy grail sports psychology is there are events that occur and then there is the way that we interpret it. And so the way we interpret it is where we have control. So whatever's happening in your warm up, 
you know, looking, looking at it in a positive light in terms of what's about to happen on the golf course. Um, if you have any time to do any like exercise or anything like that before you play, I think that's, you know, I know for a lot of folks, myself included, that can be helpful just for this whole getting loose and in an athletic frame of mind, Mm. if you have time. Um, but otherwise in terms of building, you know, um, well, I guess in terms, I guess in terms of getting in the mindset to play, let's, let's back up and talk a little bit about this concept of what's called ideal mindset, which basically refers to the mindset we're in when we play our very best. So like you probably have, like, if you think about like the best rounds you've played, like, how would you say, what, what would you say you were thinking and how were you feeling in those rounds where you played like your very best? Like before the round or during it? I guess, I guess before and a bit during it, kind of whatever comes to mind. Yeah. I would say before I probably, I probably just felt really prepared. I think I, even at like, whether I'm playing golf or I'm like leading a meeting or doing a podcast, Mm -hmm. if I feel (laughs) really prepared for it, like I have my questions ready to go. Um, Or (laughs) I've prepared for this golf round because maybe I like went to the the range yesterday even, or I arrived early enough and I'm not like running to the first tee. Um, I typically am like, okay, I'm good. And that's like very me. I have friends who Uh don't need that. Like they're like, I'll just go. Like it's fine. Um, And they have a different mindset. But for me, if I like if I feel that I was prepared for whatever is ahead of me I my confidence level does increase a little bit yeah that's awesome awesome so so this feeling of being prepared and in control of that seems like it's really helpful for you yeah. when you play yeah and like I imagine I wonder if you're I wonder if you sort of remind yourself of how you're prepared ever like as you're kind of going to the first tee I think or, I probably do because you know yeah. I in my mind I'm thinking about like one of my good rounds recently like I knew of a few things to work on at the rage whether it was just like okay make sure that your club face is more closed not so open if you know lift your left um lift your left arm like up higher. Like I have like little things that whether it's from a lesson or something I like, you know, learned from looking at golf digest, like, and, and yeah. had success with it. But like, I have like those two or three things I thought about in the warm up, And then I'm like, okay, you're good. Cause like your, your muscle memory has like come back to that a little bit before the round. Right. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And I asked the question because I think I would encourage listeners, you know, interested in optimizing their pre-round preparation routine is to think about those rounds where, where you play your best and what did, like, what were you thinking and feeling and how were you acting? Yeah. And, and to sort of understand the concept that that's not just like a coincidence. So if you identify your ideal behaviors, thoughts, and feelings, you can do things on purpose in your, in those moments before you play to try to mobilize that mindset so like for you maybe it is reminding yourself about how how you're prepared and how that means you're going to play well but you know for some people it might be they just feel really happy and excited and they're doing something so simple as like listening to some favorite music tracks or something like that um or kind of tapping into other sources of positive emotions or you know maybe some people like want to be in more of like a calm kind of grounded state so maybe doing some deep breathing or something along those lines but sort of I would encourage, you know, folks to, yeah, again, to just kind of start paying attention to how they feel when they play their best and being creative with coming up with a few mental practices like that to help get them into that state. Yeah. Now that I think about it, 
I, for me, it's definitely being calm and like taking breaths, even if it's like doing breathing exercises, because then Mm -hmm. I've noticed I play so much better when I'm actually focused. (laughs) Like, and when I'm playing with like girlfriends, I just had a girls golf weekend and I started the first two holes the first day, like two doubles back to back. My friend Sarah was like, we are not focused. I was like, no, (laughs) we are not focused at all. And certainly we were there to have fun and like not be so worried about how we were playing. But once I was like, okay, I'm going to focus. (laughs) I'm going to do my free shot routine. I'm going to focus on where I'm aiming. And like the round got better from there. So I I think that's a little bit of it for me is like the breathing exercises and like focusing. (laughs) Right, right. Yes. No, I definitely can resonate with that feeling of like seeing old friends and getting out on the course. And it's, you know, <laughs> I like, that's great. I that's just awesome. like, I like forgot everything I've ever done before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Where'd you all play? Uh, we played at a place called Seabrook in uh, near Charleston. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It was super fun. So, that's awesome. um, but yeah, I, I, you know, didn't do a ton of practice. So, so I guess that's like another thing too, is, you know, do you feel, I guess you, you did answer this. You do, you kind of feel like, okay, whatever you do at the range and when you're putting is just like, take it from there, whether it's okay, you know, this is great. You're going to continue on with this today. Or, you know, maybe what, what, what happens do you think with somebody who like hits a ton of bad shots on the range, they topped some, they scold that they, whatever, like, how do you say, okay, like, this isn't going to be around today? Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a tricky one. And I, I mean, I can say for myself, I've had rounds where I just was terrible on the range and shot some of the best rounds and, and vice versa. So Again, I think, I mean, I think if you, if you have limited time before you're going to go tee off, I mean, certainly you can go back to some of your mechanical stuff. If, you know, I would say you can do like a little bit of that on the range, depending on how much time you have. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the, like the, the place where you have control from a golf psychology perspective, again, is how you react and appraise what's going on so yeah. it's, it's guaranteed if you go to the range and you d- hit bad shots and you say to yourself oh man i'm terrible i'm probably gonna blow it out there today right. you're gonna play worse than if you even just kind of sometimes it's like faking it that's another phrase i like to use is like fake it till you make it yeah is to just use that positive self-talk and say you know okay i didn't do well on the range but that doesn't mean i'm gonna do poorly on the course today because literally no one knows the future and the course conditions are always different than the range. Right. Um, and so to just offer that positive self-talk to yourself and, and trust that that's going to help you much more than kind of going down the negative rabbit hole. So you want to get better at golf, but it's freezing and you can't play outside yet. Or maybe you just want a good alternative when the weather kind of stinks. I think we have the perfect solution for you. It's a five iron golf membership. With locations nationwide, a membership gets you access to free daily simulator time, 20% off lessons, peak rentals, league teams, discounts at the bar, and so much more. Sounds pretty ideal. For a limited time, new members receive two free lessons. And if you've listened this far, you probably want and need them. Head to fiveirongolf.com to check it out. Now back to our conversation with Carly. Got it. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to try. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so if I do have time to go practice short game range, et cetera, I'm going to spend an hour or two going to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. what is like the kind of mindset that I should walk out with or like how, you know, I'm sure, you know, you can't just give me like a practice routine, but what kind of things should I be thinking about as I'm going to go practice? Right. So, so when you have more time for like a structured practice session, Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. So, so I think ideally, you know, you're, if you're working with, um, a swing teacher, of some kind, you know, you'll have some technical stuff or if you're, you know, however you're getting your technical instruction. So I would definitely carve out part of that time to be doing like focused technical work. So if that's like doing your drills or, or what have you, um, to really focus on that. And then I would definitely allow some time after that to do, to kind of like practice as you play, um, which means, you know, putting, sort of simulating the course in practice. And this is super important. So do this with your long game and your short game. But, you know, let's just use short game for an example. You know, throw down a ball on the ground. Like, don't tee it up in the rough. Like, pretend like you're walking up to your ball. Do your pre-shot routine and execute. Mm-hmm. And and in that, you know, in the pre-shot routine, and we can talk more about this, but in any pre-shot routine, there should be sort of like a think box and a play box, which is the language that um, Lynn and Pia, Annika's coaches, have used um, to talk about a, a pre-shot routine where there's, there's sort of a box where you, you can have a simple swing thought and then you move into the play boxes, which is when you're thinking like tempo and target. Right. So, so practicing doing a routine, you know, with that as kind of the, the structure of it um, and doing that for your short game and your long game so that, and this, this is going to help with transferring sort of the, the range to the course, you know, so many amateur players are like, well, I'm awesome on the range, but I just can't yeah. do it on the course. And that's, could have a lot to do with that they're just only doing drills or they're only mindlessly hitting balls and they're not practicing as they play. Got it. Yeah, no, yeah. that's so that's totally what I hear people say. They're like, um, I hear my dad say it a lot, actually. He's <laughs> like, you know, I just took this lesson and trying this new thing and I'm, it's working great on the range. But as soon as I head to the golf course, I like can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that's good. You bring that up because there are nuances. I mean, if you are implementing a swing change, it is normal to have even more difficulty transferring to the course. And that's because, you know, when we're playing more in, you know, rounds where we're putting up scores, um, you know, it's, you're going to play better when things are a little bit more automatic. So you do need a little bit more time to like trans, you know, get those skills to be a little more ingrained, but the same principle applies. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about playing on the golf course. So, um, so what are some other topics that you would talk about with a golfer? Some of that come to mind for me, or you mentioned it um, a little bit is, you know, an effective pre-shot routine, focusing on targets, et cetera. How would you break some of those things down? Yeah. So I think, I think a basic one is this, this idea of, um, thinking about where you want to hit it and not where you want to miss it. So, you know, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so let's just do a brief exercise if, if you will, which is yes. if you, if you can think of a course, like think of a course where you often play that has a water hazard. Yep. And do you have one in mind? <sighs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so just bring that to mind for just a few brief seconds. You can close your eyes if you want to just visualize the hole, visualize the pond. Okay. Okay. And now for the next five seconds, don't think about the pond. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you do it? Yeah. Did you, were you actually able to not think about the pond for five seconds? Yeah. I like tried to remove it. Okay. Well, you're like amazing because when I do that exercise in groups, like hardly a single person raises their hand that they can do it. Because when you try not to, not to think about something, usually it just pops up all the much stronger. Oh my gosh. But that's so you're, funny. you're like a superhuman. You probably have this like amazing ability to like not hit it in the pond. <laughs> well, I was like the way I did it. So I'm thinking of a par three that used to be at Inverness. And I remember it was hole 12. And um, every time I would hit in the water. It was just like, it was the right side of the whole right side was water, but the left side was wide open. Like there was no reason for me to go into the water. Um, But when I was just thinking about it just now, I literally thought about it as like, kind of like a video game where like you're creating your own golf course. And I just like deleted the water. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's just what went went through my mind. (laughs) that's super interesting so it was like you sort of had control over the image in that way 100 percent. yep really interesting i wonder if that would work on the golf course because you know usually i mean obviously you know when you're playing golf it's like what you want to think about is the target you know and that's what you need to keep bringing your mind back to although maybe you can integrate some kind of like video game like erasure of the pond Maybe that's just playing. like a, a new age thing now that maybe, like we have PGA Tour 2K and all those things. But exactly. let's, just, we, let's use, we, could, we could certainly use the example of I wasn't able to like get it out of my mind. Uh, this water is still there. And inevitably, I faded a little bit and it goes into the water. Right, right. Yes. I mean, most most commonly when people, you know, try not to think about something it sort of pops up in their mind. It becomes more intrusive. So in any case, for people that are, you know, like new golfers coming up on a par three with a pond, it's so natural to just be like, uh, just don't hit it in the pond. But what you're thinking, what you're thinking about when you say to yourself, don't hit it in the pond is the pond, right? So you want to be thinking, I want to hit it to the target or I want to hit it to this landing area, like, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, and I would add for new players, Pick small, specific targets. So this is another common one where people will just aim at the fairway. But if you yeah. were going to aim, if you were going to throw a ball, you wouldn't like to another person. You wouldn't like throw it to this enormous space all around them. Like you would throw it at their glove, right? So right. it's like the same thing in golf. So treat you know. So so that's something else to just say is kind of a basic tip when it comes to pre-shot routine. But pre-shot routine, I remember when I was learning pre-shot routines when I was a junior player, I found the whole process very exhausting and I really struggled to understand like why this was necessary or helpful. And, you know, I'm not sure how many folks feel similarly, but I think it can feel that way. And it can, it can sort of start to feel like, well, why am I doing all of this? It's not like working, you know, like if, if you hit a bad shot or something after like doing your routine, Um, but consistency is key. So we can go through a few like key aspects of a pre-shot routine, but I encourage people to develop one, use it, it will become more automatic. And over time, it will be a really important support for you when you go into new environments, like maybe more competitive situations, things like that. But the whole point of it, yeah, but the whole point is just to effectively plan your shot and get into a mindset to hit the shot the way you want. So, So again, we talked about this a little bit briefly, but as you're coming up to your ball, that's kind of your time to think. So measuring the yardage, thinking about what kind of shot you want to hit, slush your club, et cetera. And then I recommend just one practice swing to get a feel for the lie. 
So multiple practice swings, you're really kind of just giving yourself more time for all these hyper analytical thoughts to rush into your mind, which is going to make you tense and just not be athletic, right? So golf is a sport. I feel like sometimes we forget that and you want to keep things moving. So one practice swing, just get a feel for the live. And then in the practice swing, or as you kind of start to approach the ball, you want to have a visualization component. So for some people, they, they see the shot. Some people kind of kinesthetically feel how it's going to feel when they hit a good shot. You want to have some type of positive visualization involved. You want to just simply address the ball, look at the target, and then commit. So this should be at like a handful of seconds as you're over the ball. Because again, you don't want all of the you know more time for extra extraneous thoughts to kind of be in your mind. You want to keep it as simple as possible. And I think that if you're sort of more of an anxious player or you get tense, yeah. I think working in a cleansing breath can be really helpful. So even just as you come up behind the ball, take a big breath in, big breath out, releasing any tension on that out breath. And I also encourage people, you know, if, if it works for them or if it's helpful, they can work in sort of a positive self-talk um, mantra or cue word, as I call it. Like, you know, you've got this or trust and let go, or I can do this, something to kind of build, build some confidence even within that routine. Um, but again, the pre-shot routine is going to help set you up to, to hit your best possible shot. And then I also like to emphasize that the importance of relaxing in between shots. So for me, after I hit a shot, I unvelcro my glove and that's kind of my mental cue to like relax and like chat with my playing partner, just enjoy the weather. Cause if you're going to, if you're kind of like mentally like grinding, so to speak all day long, thinking about your shots in between shots, it's just extremely exhausting. But if you only are sort of playing golf, quote unquote, during your routine and just immediately afterwards, you're really only playing for, for several minutes as opposed to, you know, four hours. I love that. So keeping the practice routine really simple, which I think is great. The pre-shot routine. Um, I love the one practice swing. It's like, it, you're not going to like improve your swing or your end result. If you go and do five practice swings, right. um, identify the target, light up, look, breathe, hit. Um, and I think that that's, it's interesting that you bring it up because when we talk about like slow play, I feel a lot of people go right to it's the pre-shot routine. That's the problem. But mm-hmm. I think it's, it's also dependent on like, well, what is your pre-shot routine? If you're keeping it simple and you're just moving with the flow of playing around, like it really shouldn't affect anyone. Cause I do a practice routine every time. It's very similar to what you just said. It's I take one practice yeah. swing, I identify the target, identify like a spot right in front of me. That's close to that. I line up and hit. Um, I don't really feel like it takes long, um, but I feel that that is often a thing that is pointed out in practice routines is making the game slow. Huh. That's so interesting. Do you think that that's among women players or all different types of players? Or? It could be a mix. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's just emailed by any means. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I could, yeah. I mean, I guess I can see that if someone's taking like multiple practice things and looking on both sides of the hole, like multiple right. times. But for the type of pre-shot routine we're talking about now, that's, I mean, that's not the cause of slow play. I mean, I think that has to do more with just being inefficient about where you're walking and where you're setting your bag, or if your pre-shot routine is like totally protracted, you know? Um, But yeah, I think, I think that definitely pre-shot routine is fundamental. I mean, all the, all the best players have one, um, you know, so I definitely don't think it's a reason, you know, the pace of play is a reason not to have one. 
Good. Um, and then, yeah, really like the, I hit the shot, it, ended, it landed where it landed, but I'm going to take off my glove and keep walking or get into the cart or whatever. But with that said, what happens if you do hit a bad shot? Like, how do I best react to shots effectively, regardless of whether, well, I guess, if it's good or if it's bad or if it's just fine? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So this is also just fundamentally important for, for improving your game is, is how you react to shots. So it might feel, again, this is where faking it really comes into play. So if you yeah. get a bad shot, you know, the best players that you see out there, they're, they're completely stoic, right? They hit a bad shot, they still stand tall, most of them. And just move, move forward, right? Like learning from what they can, and then, and then moving forward and staying present. So I definitely encourage folks to take this mentality of being neutral or happy after every shot, like regardless of what happens. So let's say you hit a bad shot, cultivate a neutral mindset of, oh, it went over there. I'm going to go find it and I'm going to hit it again. Tell yourself, I can get up and down from there. I can you know, do whatever the next thing is from there. So again, using that positive self-talk and coming into the moment rather than looking back at the past, a really helpful technique is to be your own best friend. I mentioned this earlier. So mental toughness, really part of mental toughness is sort of staying on your own team, regardless of what happens. So, so often I see players of all skill levels hit a bad shot and then they kind of beat themselves up. They're like, Oh, you're so stupid like this and that. So all that language really just honestly creates tension in the body. It, it creates a train of negative thoughts. It's it's really essentially guaranteed to make you play worse. So mm. really, it's so important to, to to sort of say to yourself, well, you know, what would my best friend or coach say to me right now? They would be like, you know, that's okay. You know, you can do it on the next one or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I think that's a helpful technique to sort of stay neutral or happy. That being said, also, when you hit a good shot, celebrate it, right? You know, there's a reason why Tigers like always, you know, it was always fist pumping or, or doing whatever. So like, Maybe it's a fist bump, maybe it's, you know, a smile, whatever, whatever it is for you, but celebrate that, you know, physically, and that's going to contribute to you building confidence and sort of um, using that good shot to, to produce even more good shots in the future. Um, and yeah, and I, I think sometimes, you know, in, in social situations, people say disparaging things about their own games to each yeah. other. And I almost feel like that's sort of like a social norm in a way. And like, I also think that if you say, if you kind of act neutral or, or even just say something like, you know, well, better luck on the next one or something like that, you give people around you permission to do the same, that it doesn't have to be like, you know, we're going to get down on ourselves if we don't play well type of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself mostly saying it's fine. That's as good as it's going to get. I'm just like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. That's good. No, but that's good. Honestly, like that's, that's so much better than what I see a lot of the time, which is, you know, kind of more than negative self-talk. So I think that's a really great, like neutral reaction to have, you know, when okay. I'm going to yeah, keep yeah. it going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, something else that I, that we had, that you brought up that you've wanted to talk about was process versus outcome goals and where, like, where are you, talking about that while you're on the course or how? Yeah. So, yes. I, so I think this, so process versus outcome goals refers to both training and being on the course. So, um, so yeah, so just like it sounds, a process goal is something that you, a goal that you set for yourself. That's really 
in your control kind of moment by moment. And we'll talk more about that with examples. But then an outcome goal is something that's not immediately within your control because it's in the future. So an outcome goal might be, you know, I want to break 100 this summer. Mm. And so then a process goal would be to a process goal could involve your your training schedule, right? So like in order to get to that goal, what's my process going to be? Like, what am I in control over? Like, I'm going to have practice sessions for, you know, two or three times this week. I'm going to work with an instructor on an XYZ schedule, et cetera. Um, and so then process versus outcome goals applies to around as well. So, Got it. you know, let's say, yeah. So, so an outcome goal would be, let's say, for example, if you're playing in like a one day tournament or something is to say like, you know, well, my outcome goal would be to win the tournament, but that's not actually within your control because it's in the future and you don't know how anyone else is going to play. Right. Right. Um, so the process goal is a goal that with that's within your control, that's going to maximize the potential that you'll achieve that outcome goal. So that might be my goal is to trust my swing over every shot to, to trust my target and let go over every shot. Maybe it's to execute my pre-shot routine with confidence on every shot and have fun, something along those lines. And you can kind of take that with you as your point of focus throughout the, throughout the round to focus, to get out of the outcome and back into the process. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what if, like, what if you're not competing in an event and you're just going out to play, what would the outcome goal be? What are examples? Yeah. So, I mean, an outcome goal can be to, I would, I, I would shy away from setting an outcome goal for a round to say to like shoot a certain number. Okay. Um, but at the end of the day, people have, you, you sort of do have those goals in mind, right? Like, you know, it's like you want to shoot a good score for you. It's like an outcome yeah. goal, right? So, so, and that's going to depend like on your handicap. So, yeah. so that's an outcome goal and, and you can have that be an outcome goal, but you don't, it depends on, it, it depends on the person like a little bit. Like if you say, well, I want to go out and shoot an 88. It can, for some, it might be helpful to set that goal at the outset and be explicit about it. But I think for a lot of people, then it's easy for them to start obsessing over like how many over they are, you know, to try to get to that point. So I, I would say set an outcome goal in terms of, you know, shooting, having a good round. But I would say I wouldn't get super hyper analytical about the specific number as an outcome goal, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if I am just going out and playing a fun round with some friends, maybe focus more on the process goals. Yeah. Focusing on the process goals and, and setting a goal, you know, you can set an outcome goal for yourself to, you know, to play well, let's okay. say, you know, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I would definitely uh, like the holy grail of sports psychology is the very best you can focus on the process and let the outcome like take care of itself. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, our last topic for this first um, part is about putting. Um, and I think that, I think this is good because like we can't get too technical with like swing theories and thoughts because everybody is unique in that way. But with putting, we also know that's where a lot of people will lose strokes and also maybe their patience. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think right. for me and probably for many people, uh, they try to keep it as simple as possible, but then you also are exposed to so many different types of philosophies and ways of putting. So, um, yeah. yeah, I would love to just hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, I, for one have like, I, yeah, I, 
for me personally, I've kind of buried my head in the sand in terms of all the different like theories of putting and everything, yeah. just because I know that it would just kind of be extremely difficult like for my brain. Whereas I know people that are like constantly like reading golf magazine and following all kinds of things on social media about, you know, anyway, everyone's different, but yeah, but yes, I do think that, yeah, I mean, for, for amateur golfers, I think definitely getting instruction from a qualified instructor who, mm. who is helping you individually, like with your putting and committing to something like, I mean, if you're going to go to lessons with one philosophy and then be reading about other philosophies at the same time, yeah. it's, it's probably going to be too much. You should at least be discussing those with your primary instructor to be, you know, keeping things manageable for yourself. Um, but what I really love, you know, in the golf psychology world, I just love Bob Rotella and I, you know, I encourage everybody to read his, his books on, on putting, you know, and, and golf is golf is a game of confidence, et cetera. He really just does such a good job of distilling it down into the, like sim- the simple nature of putting, which is looking and reacting. So picking a target, just looking at that target, you don't even have to try to look at it. You just have to look at it and then react, you know, trusting your eyes and your hands, trusting your preparation. It's just like throwing a ball. But I think the more, the more, mechanics come into the picture and the more complicated it gets, you're, you're going to end up again, tensing up your muscles, having too many thoughts happening, and you're going to interfere with this naturally athletic process of putting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's easier said than done. I know. And, right. and, 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 and there's, there's a place for technical practice of putting. So in your structured practice routine, setting aside time to practice your mechanics and committing to those mechanics again, like I wouldn't have like multiple different theories of putting in your mind all at one time, but yeah. sticking with what you're committing to with your instructor. And then when you're out on the course, just trust your preparation and look and react. Yeah. Well, I think we, we covered a ton of ground in this first part, um, especially for beginner golfers. And I'm uh, just, I, you know, for me, a lot of it felt about self-confidence Um not worrying about anyone else, I feel like is a really big one, um, especially for new golfers. Um, yeah. And that comes from being self-conscious, but I think it's a really good one. And and even if you have to think about like, well, you've got a whole crew for the ladies people who just yeah. like also are in the same boat and they, yeah. you know, they're just trying to play good golf too. Yes. Um, is is yes. so key. It is. It's so key. The community aspect is so key. I think, I think more and more I've been thinking about that as a sports psychologist It's just the importance of community and having that to, to build us up as athletes, as a source of confidence. Yeah. And, you know, as opposed to just these mental techniques that we should learn on our own as individuals. Um, so I, again, I just, yeah, love what you're doing for the ladies and, you know, providing that space and, and that experience. Well, if somebody has made it this far, what is one <laughs> drill or tip that you would want the listener to walk away with from part one of this conversation? I would say from this conversation, mm, I think, I guess maybe the self-consciousness aspect, just because I, I also do hear that like so much in terms of how that's a challenge. And I would so hate for people to, shy away from golf because of that barrier. So I do think, I do think remembering that spotlight effect bias, connecting with others who you feel supported by, and just acknowledging that those feelings are normal. And there's no reason why those feelings should stop you from going out and enjoying this great game of golf. Love it. 
acknowledge it, but also let it go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Well, exactly. thank you so much. I'm super excited for our next part of the conversation, which is going to be more about developing mental toughness um, and it may be a little bit more for an advanced player. And I guess before yeah. we actually get in, walk into that next time we record, how do you define an advanced player? Oh, gosh. I guess, I mean, for the, I guess maybe for the purposes of our conversation, yeah. somebody that's playing like more competitive golf, I would say like gross events. Okay. Um, yeah. But I mean, maybe somebody like a 10 handicap or lower, I would say, but the stuff we're going to talk about next time is also applicable to beginner golfers, I think, because it is going to, it is going to touch on some of these key concepts we've talked about today, but kind of take things a bit further. So I do think people of any skill level could also benefit. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. until next time. Thank you. Yeah, until next time. Thanks, Abby. This is, this is great.